morning once again. If you want to uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 15, that's where we'll be. John chapter 15. It has, uh, it's been another one of those weeks for me, like I've had so many this year, where I've just been uh, a little bit out of pocket. I've been in Rome, North Georgia, uh, the majority of the week trying to, uh, to help my mom and to get her tended to and settled and all of those things. I appreciate all of the uh, uh, Facebook messages and text messages and those kinds of things saying that you're praying for her. Um, really appreciate that. ask that you would continue to, uh, to do so. Well, now we come back and today is the series finale. For several weeks, we have been asking this question, who is Jesus? And we've allowed Jesus to answer that question over, over several weeks. And he has said things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door or the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we come to that final statement of Jesus, the final I am. And we're asking this question once again. Jesus, in your own words, please tell us, tell us who you are. And that's where we are. We're landing the plane on this series. Now then, uh, I'm going to do a, one or maybe two uh, I think actually just one one-off sermon next week, and then it won't be connected to anything. It's just going to be a, a sermon. It's not part of a series, anything like that. But the Sunday after that, we're going to kick off a new series in the most action-packed, high-energy, urgent book in the entire New Testament, and that's the Gospel of Mark. And it starts off front-loaded with action. Demon encounters, healings, all of those kinds of things. And that's where we're going to begin in about two weeks. And so I'm looking forward to that study. That's going to take us the rest of the way through the summer uh, and into the fall before we start wrapping the year up. And so I'm really, really, really excited about that. But today, from John 15, we want Jesus to answer again the question, Who is Jesus? I found out something recently that I had done, but was not aware that I had done it. You know what that feeling's like? Yeah. And, you know, most of the time when we hear that, it's a bad thing, right? It's like, oh no, what did I do? What did I say? Who did I offend? Okay, and, and in my line of work, that's, that's an easy thing to do, okay? Uh, I, I talk publicly for a living. Okay, so it's really easy to step on toes. It's really easy to stick my own foot in my mouth. And I have done it on several occasions that you don't have to amen, but you can probably testify to. Okay, and so thank you for not amening that. But it's, you know, I found out that I had done something that I wasn't aware of, but it actually turns out it's to my credit. Bethany informed me I don't know, about a month ago, that over the period of the last, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, 
that I have purchased for her, sometimes knowing, sometimes not, 15 rose bushes or 13 rose bushes, something like that. Uh, you know, for birthdays and Mother's Day and Christmas. And, and a lot of times that's made it really, really easy. Okay, because I don't have to worry about what she wants. She comes to me, she says, hey, I want this rose bush. Well, I just figured I had done that three or four times. And she starts counting them up the other day. And it's like 13 out of the 15 rose bushes that she has in her various rose gardens around my house. I bought those things. Okay, so yay me for that, even though I really didn't have anything to do with it. But, you know, it's, it's really a sight to behold. And if you have been to our house, when the roses are in bloom, you know, it is absolutely, it's absolutely beautiful. And so, uh, you know, but it takes time to get roses and to get roses that look good, Right. It's not just something that happens. I mean, you could go already, you, you could go buy a rose that's already in full bloom, but, you know, it's not really, the, I don't think, the best way to do it. She takes the time and she cultivates the soil, she plants the roses, and she grows them. And so, you know, she had to get these gardens ready. Here's a picture of Miles helping her uh, in the garden. You can see he's putting his whole weight into what he is doing. If you know anything about Miles, he puts all, his all into everything. But he's digging the hole, okay? He's, he's digging that hole, and he's getting it ready to plant. And then finally, same hole, here's Jackson and Miles. They've got the rose bush in. You see, it's just this little bitty thing right here. But they got the rose bush. They got the rose bush in the ground. Now then, here's a, a, a kind of expanded shot of that particular garden. And I believe, and you can tell me, this is that bush right here, or is it the one that's over here? It's one of those two. Okay, but you see, this is, this is kind of what she's cultivating here. And I think for her birthday last year, I didn't buy this, I think her mom did, this, uh, this archway. But it has a rose that she is training. She's, climb, and she's training it to climb up and kind of take this thing over. And that's not, you know, that's, that takes time. And so you've got to tie things down and you've got to cut things back in order to train it to do so. And it's, it's really, really a beautiful sight. There it is, kind of a, an up-close shot of this rose that she's pruned and trained and, and getting in order. There's another one that's right outside the, the front of our house. And this one is like the show-off of all the rose bushes that she has. Before we got ready to go on our vacation a couple of weeks ago, I was standing outside and I counted all of the buds. And I counted something like 47 buds that were getting ready to explode. And of course, we were out of town the whole time. It was blooming, but there were 47 buds. And I told somebody that, and they were like, wow, you really need to find something else to do. <laughs> okay, granted. But this is, you know, this bush she has to tend to. You know, she has to prune it. She has to trim it back. She goes out there in the nights. A lot of times when it's, when it's you know, it's at least starting to cool down a little bit. But the mosquitoes are swarming, and she deadheads her roses, which is nowhere you go, and you, you clip the dead ones off. Uh, and that's a, sort of, a, a, I guess, what, a, a pruning kind of throughout the season. But at the end of the year, she has to prune them all the way back. There's another shot of, of several of the rose bushes that line the front of our house. And then this is just an up-close shot that she took of one of the roses that were, uh, that were in the garden. 
A lot of times we will come in and sit down to a meal at our kitchen table and there will be several roses right there in a, a vase or a pot or something on the table and it's not because I'm such a great husband and have gone and bought her roses at the store. It's because she has cultivated these roses and grown them herself and gone out and clipped them and put them on the table and they're, they are there, uh, they're there for us to enjoy. But it's, a, it's a, not an easy process, okay? And it involves work and it involves sweat and it involves getting stuck with thorns and eaten by mosquitoes to make sure you cultivate a garden. Okay, now then, if you have ever just had a bush or come across a rose bush or some kind of plant, grapevine, whatever, that has been left sort of unpruned and wild, it looks like that. Okay, and as you can see, or, or may not be able to see, this is, I don't know how many rose bushes this is, it looks like about four or five, but they've not been tended to. So you can't tell really without really looking that there is probably one. There's a second one. It looks like this might be a third and then maybe a fourth right there. But because they've not been pruned, they start growing in on one another. Okay, and so you have these different shoots and sprigs and they start taking over. And, and what happens is... They start blocking the sun out, you know, and, and Jesus kind of talked about that in the parable of the sower. Do you remember that? But that's what happens if you have a rose bush and you just sort of leave it. If you don't prune it back and, you know, you think, oh, well, it's just beautiful. Let's just let it grow wild. And, and while that sounds like a good idea, it will not grow and it will not produce the most beautiful roses without being pruned. Right, It'll produce roses, but because of its lack of resources, okay, because it's got all of these different growths pulling the nutrients in, because it's blocking the sun from itself, it's only going to produce little roses that don't look all that great. Okay? And so you have to, you have to go through this, this process. And the pruning process really makes a rose bush look ugly. But you have to do it. And so you go in, and I don't know exactly when she does it, but she goes out there, and you see where the, uh, where the red part is. That's known as the dead wood, apparently, if you do rose research. And you go and you clip that stuff back. Okay, and you clip it down, and it just looks like this naked bush that's just sort of sticking up, sticking up out of the ground. There is a rose bush that has been pruned. Okay, and it doesn't look like much, but because it has been pruned, because it's been taken care of, we know that it's going to grow and it grows into this. By the way, this is our Thomasville Rose Garden. I figured I'd stay local with my pictures this morning. But see how beautiful that is. The reason why is not because the, the city planners and those that take care uh, of these kinds of lands just throw flowers out there and let them grow wildly. Each year, they go and they prune those things back. They go and they cut them back to the ground so it's just those little stubs kind of, kind of sticking out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, But it has to be pruned in order for it to produce these kinds of roses. It's what they do at the Thomasville Rose Garden. It's what Bethany does in her various rose gardens. If you have a rose bush or have had a rose bush or 
grapevine or whatever. It's what you have done as well if you have wanted to have uh, healthy growth and healthy produce from whatever plant that happened to be. In John chapter 15, Jesus begins by talking this way, by talking about growth and vines. And it's in the context of that that he reveals for the last time who he is. Now then I want to I point something out that, that 10 years ago, 10 years ago and 11 years ago, I preached this text and I mishandled it badly. Because I had a different understanding that I later determined to not be what I now believe. I, I, I looked at this, uh, this text as a, as a, uh, as a judgment on, on something that I was doing in my life. And so I was able to correct that. Now, then, if you want to know more about that, see me later and I'll be glad to explain that to you. But now looking at this text, you know, you, you see things differently. Okay, and I think that's part of growth. That's part of pruning. That's part of God trimming things back so that new growth can come out of it. And that happens in our spiritual life only when we are attuned to God and only when we allow God to prune us back in ways. So let's start, uh, let's start reading together. And I'll pause and make some comments along the way. John 15, 1. Keep in mind, this is the last night of Jesus' life. Okay? The last night. It's a continuation from last week. He's washed the disciples' feet. They have left. Uh, Judas has left. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I, you know, physically I'm going to go away. You know, spiritually I'm not going to leave you. And then also the Holy Spirit's going to come and be with you. Okay? This is the same night. He is hours away from trials, arrests, crucifixion, all of those things at this point. So in verse 1, on that same night, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so there's several things, several things that we want to, to point out just from those, those first three or four verses that Jesus mentions. He says, I am the, the true vine. And when he says true vine, it carries with it the idea of being real, of being genuine, of, of being the, the, the source of life. Okay, now we know, we know that you can graft various plants together, right? And sometimes they produce great things and sometimes they don't. In the same way, we can graft things into our life that are very good, right? But we can also graft things into our life that can be very harmful, that can be very deadly. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he is saying is, I am the source, Okay, I am the genuine article. Everything is real about me. And my father is the gardener. He's the one that is going to tend to things. And then he talks about the, the branches that, that don't produce fruit. And those branches, eventually, he's going to remove 
because you have to cut away dead growth or a vine, a rose bush, uh, a grapevine is not going to grow and not going to produce the way that it should. Okay, when Jesus is talking about these branches that are going to be removed, he's talking about those. Now pay attention because this is painful. Okay, we're talking about pruning today, so this one's going to hurt a little bit. He's talking about those who've confessed Jesus as Lord, who believed that Jesus was Lord, who were baptized into Jesus' name and have turned away from following Jesus. Okay, so in a way, this is a judgment. Okay, those that have stopped believing, those that have stopped following, those that have stopped producing fruit, which is an important part of following Jesus, right? It's more, there's more required. Let me say it that way. There is more required than just believing in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus all day long. Even the demons believe in Jesus. Right? That's Jesus' words right out of his own mouth. Anybody can believe in Jesus, but there's a lot more to following Jesus. And what Jesus expects, if we, if you are a follower of Christ, okay, I'm speaking directly to you. If you are a follower of Christ, the expectation is produce fruit. If not, that branch is going to be cut off because it's going to prohibit future growth. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what he's talking about there. Okay? And then he goes on and he he talks about pruning and, and cleaning. And what we, and, and you know, those verses or, or those words in verse 2 and 3, they're, they're kind of the, the same thing. They're very similar. When he talks about pruning, you know, that's the, the, the Greek word kathario. Uh, and it means to cleanse, uh, to cleanse from filth. It means to, uh, to clean by pruning. Or, or spiritually, it means to cleanse from sin. Okay, then in verse 3, he says, You're already clean. And it's a similar word. And it's, it's, you know, it's from these words that we derive, you know, our word catharsis. Okay. You know, that's a word that we use a lot of times. And catharsis is a, uh, it's a, uh, like a purification. Uh, it's an extreme change or it's, you know, it brings about a, a renewal. And Jesus is saying, this is what, what happens. But what we see is that Jesus is, as he's talking about pruning, he mentions two different types of pruning. The first that he mentions is separating, right? I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. He is going to remove, he's going to separate the branches that don't produce fruit, right? He's separating them from the rest of the vine, from the rest of the growth. Those that have turned their back on Jesus, those that are willingly, and I'm not talking about people that mess up and you know you slip up and say a cuss word or do something stupid. We all do that. We're human, right? I'm not talking about you know uh, uh, sin that we just sort of kind of fought, fall into. I'm talking about a habitual or a choosing to say, you know what, this Jesus thing isn't really for me anymore. 
a turning away, a, a going away from the way, the truth, and the life, going our own way, okay? Turning away from him completely. Jesus says that God as the gardener will separate those branches. The second type of pruning he mentions is a cutting back, which is what I described at the opening, okay? When Bethany goes out and tends her roses, or if you have a rose bush, or what our uh, city does over in the rose gardens, okay? A cutting back brings forth new growth, okay? And that's what he's saying. This is what he's saying. He says, he removes the ones that don't bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit. Why? So that it will produce more fruit. Okay? That's the catharsis. That's the, the cathario in our lives. We have things in our lives, if we are following Jesus, that need to be cut out, right? I want you to stand up. Somebody just stand up. Let's all stand up and name our deepest, deepest, darkest sins. Who wants to go first? Anybody volunteering for that one? No! Wait, is that a hand right here down front? Were you volunteering? Oh, you're volunteering somebody else. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Nobody wants to do that, right? But, and I want you to give me a hearty amen if this is true. We all have secret sin in our life that we deal with. Amen? We all do. Can we still follow Jesus and have that going on? Yes, of course we can. But what it means is that we have to lay that sin before God, who already knows about it, by the way, and allow Him to prune that out of our lives. Allow Him to cut it away so that new growth can be cultivated. So that we can grow, so that we can produce more. This is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what He's telling these guys on the last night of His life. If it was me, it's going to be all about me. Give me a steak. You wait on me. You wash my feet. What can you do? For, I'm going to be dying soon. What can you do for me? Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm physically, I'm not going to be here with you much longer. This is what you need to know. If you don't produce fruit, God is going to cut you off. You're going to be separated. But if you're going to follow him, know that he's going to, there's going to be some tough things in your life. And he's got to cut those out. But that cutting out is going to produce new growth. That disciplining is going to bring new, it's going to bring new life. It's going to ensure future growth and, and, and thriving. These are those that are convicted by the word. Okay, and what does he tell them? You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And then in verse 4, he says this. He says, remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you, unless you remain in 
me. He's making it so simple for them. He's making it so simple for us. Now then, as beautiful as the roses are that Bethany cuts from her rose bushes and brings into the house, after a couple of days, guess what happens? We find the petals laying on the table. If you just cut off one of the branches, okay, it looks great. You know, like we give out Mother's Day roses every year. Guess what happens to those Mother's Day roses? Moms, don't tell us. They die. Why? Because they're cut off from the vine. Jesus says what? I am the true vine. Therefore, remain in me. And he's going to make that statement four different times throughout the rest of this passage. There's two of them in one verse right there. Remain in me. So the question to us then is what does it mean to remain in Jesus? What does it mean to remain in Him? First, no, foremost, remaining in Jesus speaks of being deeply connected to Jesus. Deeply connected to the things of Jesus. When he says remain in me, he's saying remain connected. Remain connected to communion with Jesus. Now that doesn't I'm not just talking about taking physical communion. What do I mean by that? I mean spending time with Jesus. Talking with Jesus, being with Jesus in His presence, okay? We are to remain connected to communion with Jesus. It also means, remaining in Him, means remaining connected to the community of Jesus. Okay, guess what? Christianity was not meant for lone rangers. Right? Okay? There's no solo Christian program ever spelled out in the Bible. Now then, there were people that had to live that way because they were exiled or sent off that way, but that is not how God purposed it. God purposed us to live together in community, and if we are going to remain in Him, we have to remain in the body, connected to His church, connected to His people. That's how we grow together. It also means that we have to remain connected to the Word of Jesus. Just like He told the disciples, that Word's already cleaned you up. That Word can reveal all that cleaning and cleansing power to us as well. Okay? How are we going to stay connected to Jesus if we don't stay connected to the book that tells us about Jesus? Right now, we can do it a little bit. But to truly answer the question, who is Jesus? We need to stay connected to the book that talks about Jesus. It means staying connected to His Word. It also means that we stay connected through the prayer of Jesus. Remember back in Matthew chapter 6? Lord, teach us to pray. And He taught them. When you pray, pray like this. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass 
against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray like Jesus. To remain in Him means to pray with Jesus. Pray those prayers of Jesus. But it also means this, remaining to Jesus, remaining, uh, maintaining that deep connection is by serving Jesus. Okay? We remain connected by service to Jesus. How do we serve Jesus? By serving one another. Matthew 25, he talks about the least of these. People that have been visited in prison or clothed that didn't have anything, fed when they didn't have food, water, that kind of thing, shelter when they didn't have it. He says, when you did it to those, to the least of these, you did that to me. When you serve somebody else, you're remaining connected by performing service to Jesus. Does that make sense? Other ways we remain deeply connected. By loving like Jesus. And this is where it really gets tough. Okay? Because just like Jesus, we run across people that are not easy to love. Right? You know who that person is without me even having to say it. Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. Maybe they are. But to truly be a follower of Christ, we have to love all people like Christ. And Jesus loves fully, completely, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what baggage we're bringing to the table, Jesus loves that person just as much as He loves a newborn child. Okay? And to stay in, to remain in Jesus, means that we stay connected to Him by loving the way He does. We remain connected by cross-bearing with Jesus. And that kind of gets back to what I was talking about just a few minutes ago. Okay? Christianity, there's no sideline Christianity either. Okay? That's not a thing. We've sort of invented that in America. Okay? We like to sit from the sidelines. We watch the production and do all this stuff. That's not what Jesus had in mind. That's not what God had in mind. Jesus said, take up your cross, what? Daily and follow me. Meaning, sacrifice. Put others first. This is what is expected. You want to produce fruit? Take up your cross daily. Sacrifice for the good of others, for the good of the church, for the good of the kingdom of God. And then finally, we remain connected by persevering with Jesus. My opening line from my sermon last week, you may remember? Life is troubling. We all agree that it is. Okay? We all agree. That, that statement was so real for me last Sunday when I said it, knowing that my mom was laying in the hospital all alone, getting ready to have emergency surgery to have a rod put in her leg. Okay, so when I made that statement last Sunday, it was heavy on me. We know life is troubling. Okay, and there are times when it's just like, man, this is too much. This is too much pressure. This following Jesus stuff is, is too hard. I'm not going to do this. When Jesus says, remain in me, 
He's saying, persevere with me. Knowing, just like what he told the disciples at the end, after the resurrection, before he ascends back to heaven, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. This is what, and there's so many more. I mean, I just put up eight things. There's so many more ways. But this is a start on what it means to to remain in Him. And then we get to verse 5. And He gives us the I am statement that we're going to focus on. And it's this. I am the vine. You, you are the the branches. I Meaning we're connected. The question is, what kind of branches are we? Are we fruit producing branches? Or are we dead wood not producing anything? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who, say the yellow with me, remains in me. And I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. That right there, that echoes Jesus' words in in John chapter 5, uh, verse 19 and verse 30, where he says, I can do nothing apart from my Father. Jesus is saying the same thing. You can't do anything apart from me. Okay? A cut-off branch isn't producing anything. A cut-off branch dies. To produce fruit, you have to stay connected to me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Stay connected and produce fruit because unless you stay connected, you can't do, you can't do anything. He goes on in verse 6. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers They will gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. I don't know where you're sitting right now, but you might be able to look out this side of the building over there, and you'll notice a gigantic burn pile over there. If you've never paid attention to it, it's over there. We trim our, you know, uh, we trim these uh, crepe myrtles and everything else, trim stuff at my house and trim all around, and everything goes on the burn pile, okay? It's no good. We don't want it. It's going to be burned up. Okay? Jesus is saying, if you're one of those branches and you're not producing fruit, you're going to be cut off. And guess what? You're going to be burned up. I mean, because you're not, work, you're, not, you're not doing anything. Okay? You, 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 you're dead. And that's, that's all that, that dead wood is good for. It's good to just be burned They throw them in the fire. And then verse 7, he says, But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Now, that's, that's kind of a tricky verse right there, because it kind of sounds like, well, as long as I'm staying connected to God, I can ask for whatever I want. God's going to give me everything I want. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. Okay? 
I think when we remain in Him, it means that we are remaining in harmony to God's purposes. When we remain in harmony to God's purpose, then we understand God's will, and so we pray in God's will, and God answers prayers according to His will. Does that make sense? It means we pray according to God's will. And if it's God's will, God is going to answer according to his purposes. But God longs to bless his children. Psalm 37 verse 4 says that, that he longs to give us the desires of our heart. I want to back up and say a word about verse 5. He says, the one that remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. That fruit, we haven't really established what the fruit is. We kind of have. But the first thing that comes to mind are the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. You know, what are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay? And those are incredible things. But also... This, this carries with it the idea of fruit being praised from our lips. Okay, we've done that this morning. We've sung praise from our lips. Kelly read that scripture in praise to Yahweh in the midst of that song. But it also carries with it the idea that fruit is the conduct of our lives, how we live. And if we are living by the Spirit that conduct is going to flow directly directly out of that. And so in verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this. Now pay attention. Pay attention. This is for you. This is for me. This is for all of us that have claimed that we follow Jesus. My Father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. It's hard to prove something if you're not living something. Right? Now then, I'm not... I'm not pushing for works-based salvation. I don't believe in that. But what I am suggesting is that following Christ is more than being a spectator. Following Christ is about advancing the kingdom. Advancing the kingdom is about loving and sacrifice and serving people. It's about cross-bearing. That's how we remain in Him. If we remain in Him, we will produce fruit. And guess what? All of that together brings glory to God because we are branches that are producing fruit. And God as the gardener is glorified in His creation. I like how the message words, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, separated, you can't produce 
You can't produce a thing. You see, what Jesus is driving at is staying in relationship with him. Staying connected to him. Growing and producing through him. And apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. The message in verse 6 goes on to say that anyone who separates from me is dead wood. Gathered up and thrown onto the fire. So for the final time we ask then, who is Jesus? He is the true vine who longs to stay connected to his followers, cultivating a life of health and growth. That's who Jesus is. Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. The only way for that to happen is to stay connected to him, to remain in him. That's, that's what he's driving at. Allow God to do his work. Allow God to discipline. Allow God to cut things back so that you eventually don't turn in on yourself and die. So what kind of work does God need to do in your life? What are the things that you're dealing with that God needs access to? What's the habits, the sins, the struggles that we need to be open to allowing God's pruning knife to come and cut away. To remain in Him, we have to be open to the pruning of God. When we're open to the pruning of God, God will produce an abundance in us.